Today, Lord, we are thankful again for being in your presence, and we love you. Thank you for your grace, the invitation that's been extended to the body and for various people bringing friends and family members in. We want to honor you today. Lord, speak through me today. Speak to us. May we hear the word of God. May we not compromise when it comes to the word. We pray that you will anoint this vessel. We pray that you'll anoint the hearers. We give you glory, the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I went to uh, Diamond, Arrow, Diamond Arrow in Grass Valley. Mel and I end up. I hadn't been there about six years. There is a campground that the Church of God owns from Anderson that we're part of about 40 acres at least up there, more. I forgot how big. It's huge. But anyway, went there on Wednesday, and then I drove to Hanford on Thursday for uh, the Hanford camp meeting. I'm going to be inviting um, some of us to go next year to Hanford. We have a campground, an interstate campground, and we meet there Wednesday through Saturday. This year, uh, the speaker was Pastor uh, Warren Anderson, who many of you may not know, but he is the was the, the ex-husband of Sister Carolyn Anderson, who was a musician with the interstate over the years, came from Washington, D.C., and my goodness, he brought a powerful message and uh, said some things that were just plain deep. So we, inv- we invite you to go next year to Hanford. It's always the second week in July. Hot Hanford. Hot. So... Prepare. (laughs) Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 10. I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. And as the message goes on, I will be doing some other reading as well. But Acts 17, beginning at verse 10, I'll be reading out of the NIV, New New International Version, 1986 edition. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens. And then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Josh, it's good to see you. I just saw you sneak in, but it's good to see you here. My friend Josh in the back. Man. And the title, if you're writing this down, please write the title down. And how do I know you're telling me the truth? And how do I know you're telling me 
the truth. Paul and Silas were run out of Thessalonica because of their message about Jesus Christ. And as we have been going through the book of Acts and looking at how the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and how the Lord began to move and empower the church to accomplish the work that the Lord had called for them to do. We saw how the Lord had set apart Paul and initially Barnabas to go out and to begin to minister in the various areas. This is now Paul's second missionary journey. and He is now with Silas. And as they have gone from town to town, their habit has been to go to the, the, the church, the synagogue, when they would go into town, if there was a synagogue there. Now, now, last week we saw that they had been run out of town from Thessalonica. Now, when they had been in the city of Philippi, we saw that they had been beaten and had been put in prison, but the Lord sent an unusual earthquake that led to the jailer and his family being saved. He knew that that was not an ordinary earthquake. That was a divine earthquake. How he knows, I don't know, but he knew. And so he had called for the lights to be brought in and went to Paul and said, What must I do to be saved? I have some ideas of why he was so touched because he realized that all the prisoners were still there, even though the doors had flown open and all of their chains had fallen off. They were still there. And I believe that he was glad that his life was able to be spared. Because Paul says, don't harm yourself when he was about to kill himself. You see, if a, if a prisoner escaped, the guard was to receive the consequence or the punishment of whatever that prisoner was to receive. So if Paul, as he left Philippi, he leaves, he's run out of town, run out of town, in Thessalonica, they come to a place called Berea. Today, things are not so different because the church complains when you tell them that they have to live holy. It was the good news that, that people fought against and for which Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison in Philippi. Today, the church wants to live a compromising life and wants the pastor to give his approval of a lifestyle that the Bible calls sin. Paul was not threatened, stoned, nor beaten for telling lies, but he was beaten, stoned for telling the truth. Whatever your views or thoughts are not in line with the word of God, it is never the word of God that needs to be adjusted but it's your own thoughts and ideas that needs to change. You need to get that deep. Get that deep. The Word of God does not change for you. It does not change for me. We don't begin to adjust the plumb line because we have a crooked building. The building's got to measure up with the plumb line. 
carpenter does not get his gauge and says, well, it says, I think I'm going to turn it this way because that's the direction the building is going on. No, the building has to conform to the standard. And our lives have to conform to the standard of God. So when Paul and Silas were run out of town in Thessalonica, they went 50 miles southwest to Berea. 50 miles southwest. Now, I live about 38.8 miles from here. Not to be exact, but about 38.8. Why don't we just round it off to 40? It takes me approximately 40, 45 minutes to get to the church when I put my car on cruise control at the proper speed limit. Rhonda, where are you? Take note. So, so Paul and Silas go to this place that is off the path called Berea. As you know, Paul's, his, his, his protocol, the way that he basically would travel, he would go to the major cities because it was important in these places because the word of God could travel because people were oftentimes coming in. They had great seaports in various places. And, and in these large cities, the word of God could, 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 be, could be ministered. And those that would hear the word would take it back to their home churches and places or hometowns. And so the word of God would be able to spread. But, but here they go to a place that's off what we say the beaten path. They come to Marin City. That's not even on the map. Many maps. Oftentimes identified by Sausalito because they say, where is that? As I told you before, if you have mail on your computer, and you do mail by computer, you type in Marin City, Sausalito will pop up. And so it is to Berea that they go. This is not a major city. But this is one of the only places where the people received high honor because of what they did. It is also a place that Dr. John Butler notes that of all Paul's missionary journeys, churches today name their churches after the church mentioned right here. Most churches are named Church of the Berean Church. The Bereans, the Bereans, why as we get into this? You, when you hear Berea, you don't hear or think of anything bad in most cases. So this is the place that Paul goes to. Now remember, they are not traveling in the Cadillacs and the Hondas and the Lexus and, and, and the Benz and the, the Lamborghinis. The Volkswagens, the Pintos, no. They're traveling maybe. Oh, dip. Come on, let's go. Y'all get it, right? All right, okay. 
Any Mustang they have is only one horsepower. <laughs> Come on now, y'all go with me. <laughs> I know some of y'all got them Mustangs, them big engines in them. 400 horses, 355, four, no, one. Back in the day. <laughs> and so they make their way to Berea. Point number one, write this down. Preaching, teaching, and verifying. Preaching, teaching, and verifying. That's V-E-R-I-F-Y-I-N-G. Paul and Silas could not stay in the background when they went into a city. Once again, we see that they go to the synagogue upon their arriving in the city or town of Berea. It is interesting that we never hear of the Bereans after Paul and Silas arrive or leave town again, or leave town. You never hear of them again in Scripture. There is no book written to the Bereans. While they're there, they are given the opportunity to minister, and it is clear that what they are teaching goes far beyond what the leaders of the synagogues were teaching. Paul and Silas' arrival in Berea did not occur because of a wonderful send-off that they received from Thessalonica, but it was because they were about to be killed in Thessalonica that they were sent away. Paul and Silas began to understand, and they knew how the, the crowds responded. They knew this crowd is becoming hostile, and it's time to leave town. As Paul and Silas opened up the Old Testament scriptures in the Berean synagogue, it caused a stirring among the people. You know, it's something when the word of God can be read and taught, and it causes a stirring in the people. Today, people have become complacent, have become comfortable with the word of God that it doesn't move them. Doesn't cause them to reevaluate their situation, their lives. Doesn't cause them to, to change how they think and what they do. I'm going to do the same thing day in and day out regardless of what the word says. The word causes you to reevaluate your position. And makes you rethink what you're doing if you're off track. It is a barometer. It is a plumb line. It is how we measure up to make sure we're in God's will. So that the word of God just doesn't come and just go in one ear and out the other. What are you doing to make sure that you are lining up with the word of God? How does God's word hit you so that mm, i got to do better in this area here? Or do we make excuses? For living the same way and never changing. I'm trying, Lord. One day I'm going to do better. Oh, I got things to do. One day I'm going to get it right. I got things to do. Church, pray for me. I am so sick. Huh? Woo! Hmm. Call the church for me, y'all. Call the church for me. And I ain't talking about people that stick that faith. I'm talking about people you don't see them or hear from, but the moment something comes up, call the church. Yes. 
Make sure the pastor knows I'm not feeling well. The interest in the word of God that the Bereans heard, it caused an excitement in their midst. In their ears were excited to hear the message that Paul and Silas brought. The word itself produced an excitement in the people. And they were eager to hear more of what they were getting. The day you go too long, people... Got my beans on. I set the timer, but I, I got to go check my beans. We are five minutes over. I set my timer to come on right at this time. If people are not eager to hear the word of God... There will be a restlessness in the pews where people sit. There will be an exiting of the pews when the preacher gets up to preach. I've been, I've been there for part of the service. Now it's time to go when the main course is to be served. Got to go. Can't sit that long. Got to go sit home and watch my sports for the next five hours. Have me sitting up in that church for 90 minutes. Got things to do. Food to eat and games to watch. <laughs> Hunger for the word of God will be shown in what you do and how you respond to the word. If you are hungry from the word, for the word of God, you will do something to make yourself available. Don't see people hungry saying, I'm so hungry, I'm just going to go to bed. Now, some of y'all do that, but most people will go to the refrigerator, go to the kitchen and begin open up cabinets to see what's there to satisfy that need. But when it comes to the word of God, and the Bible, <laughs> never got through the first line. I am so sleepy. Mm. There has to be a hunger for the word of God. There has to be a, there has to be a pressing in. And the Bereans, when they heard they were hungry, just Paul and Silas, tell us more. The Bereans expressed an eagerness for more of what they heard. There was an eagerness right there in the scripture. I want you to take a look at what it says. It says in verse 11, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received with eagerness. Now the first thing it says, they were of more noble character. Now, the quality of nobleness about the Bereans is that it compares them to the group or the place where Paul and Silas had just left. Now, we know that when they were in Thessalonica, we know that there was a problem. We know that the people, the leaders got upset stirred up the crowd, and wanted to kill them. So they 
couldn't find Paul and Silas, so they ran and got Jason. Can't find him. We're going to find somebody. Just like some people walking down the street, and all of a sudden you grab them. What would I do? You, you just here. We can get you. That's how some people act. That's how the mob scene is. We throwing rocks, we throwing rocks at. Give me one. That's why it just to me just doesn't make sense when a team wins the Super Bowl, people in the city go crazy. Ripping up, tearing down, destroying property. We're happy. <laughs> Causing mayhem. We're happy, so we're going to set fires to cars and buildings. Showing our happiness that our team has won. Mob scene. And that's just how some people are. So the Bereans are compared to the, Thessalon- the, Thessalonic- the Thessalonians. As Paul comes out of Thessalonica and into Berea, the Bereans are compared. They were more noble. What makes a person noble? When they search the word of God. They were eager and they were noble. Get this, get this. The Bible says that the Bereans were not like the Thessalonians. There is a comparison being made here. And the comparison is how they treated the message that came to them. How did they evaluate what was being said? Some people just swallow everything. You put something into the... Pig pen, they don't even look up. They just keep right on eating. We need to evaluate what we hear. If I tell you something and you think, well, is that right? Well, I guess so. He said it must be right. He did his studying. So I'm just going to accept it as truth. How do you know that everything that I said is correct? It ain't. I made some mistakes. I went, oh, that wasn't quite right. I need to go back and... Look at that part again and come back. You know what? I need to look at this part here. There's something else that I found. You see, the Bereans check the scriptures. Listen, every day to make sure that what they heard from Paul was right. Any preacher, any church that tells you, you ain't got to go no further than here. Right? Me, man. I'm it. Just take my word, and that is it. Ain't got to go no further. How do you know? How do you know that that everything is right? Those people search the Scriptures. And if a church or pastor tells you don't don't look at the Scriptures, don't go searching it, it's all right, you need to to evaluate where you are. I'm letting you know that right now. If you hear me tell you, don't, don't search the Scriptures. I've already done it for you. It's in the book of Lester. What? what? Go home and look it up. Lester 4-5. It's in the New New Testament. I would go to it, but I ain't got time. I got to keep going. (laughs) 
Lester's not in the Bible for those of you who don't know. The measuring rod, the measuring rod that the Bereans used to determine if they were hearing from Paul and Silas, was, if it was true, they, they, they measured by looking into the Word of God. Now, why is that important? While they may have been looking at the Scriptures before, there was an, an intense searching now based on what Paul and Silas were saying. There was new revelation. There were some things that were opened up to them that they didn't quite have before. And what they did, they said, hmm, we haven't quite heard that before. Let us look into this to make sure that what you're telling us is correct. Now, how do you know I'm telling you the truth? The measuring rod always has to be the word of God. No, amen. I, amen, I said myself. The measuring rod always has to be the word of God. The reason why many people in the church are stagnant because they don't do anything different. They don't take new truths that they hear and go search the scriptures and wish to better understand and serve God. Do you not know that God is so great that you can understand him better if you don't search the scriptures? He's too great, too vast. When you look at the scripture, you can say, I didn't see that before. You come back the next day, I didn't see that before the same verse. You come back five years later, I didn't see that before. God has a way of revealing himself through scripture. I heard that before, I don't need to hear it no more. Well, what are you doing about it? Sometimes brag about what we've heard and there's been no action to what we've heard. It is a prideful ministry or pastor who discourages the members from searching the scriptures. Also understand that some of these Bereans are being turned upside down as they hear things that went against what they believed before. Think about this. You've been taught something all your life and you come to find out that it's wrong. Something that you have staked your life on, and you come to find out that it is wrong. What's the measure? How did you find out? Truth doesn't change. Get this. Just because society changes, just because individuals change, just because People don't wear their pants up here but down here now because that's changed. The word doesn't change. Our methods may change. It's the same word. Get this, get this. At one point, they didn't allow drums in the church. You couldn't play certain chords. Those are devil chords. That got too much stuff in it. Take some of it out, make it plain. And as people began to grow, began to understand, whoa, whoa, you can serve God in these ways, but one has to be careful that they don't just bring all the world into the church. Amen. Get this. God requires holiness. That'll never change. 
Today, people are reevaluating what the church should be doing and is doing based on what the world is doing. Well, the world has changed in this way. We now believe this. Well, the Bible has said this 2,000 years ago, and we still believe it because it's true. We still believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. We still believe that Jesus died and rose again. We still believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Well, there's new theories about Jesus today. We have new beliefs about him. We believe that he was a good man, but not the man, you know. We believe that he was just a good leader, but not the king of kings. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the first and the last. Point number two. The word of God is the only word that can save. Isaiah 53. I'm going to read this entire chapter. The word of God is the only word that can save. Please understand that. Know the word can save you. Isaiah 53 says. Now, I want you to understand. I'm reading this because I don't know what scriptures Paul may have given them, but he went to the Old Testament. And I'm just going to assume this might have been one of the ones that, that Paul gave the Bereans. And, 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 and we're going to look at another. But, but Paul was one that gave them and tied the Old Testament into Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Men of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmity, that sickness, and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. Listen, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, our stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When he stood there before Pilate, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence and nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. 
and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand after the suffering of his soul. He will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. Ah, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressions. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Way back in Isaiah. Picture of Jesus. Way back. And I can imagine that as the Bereans are seen, they can say, oh, this ties into that Jesus. And they began to search, oh, this is what this passage was talking about. Turn in your Bible to Psalm, the book of Psalms. Psalms 53. Psalms 53. Psalms 53. And Psalm 53. Do you not know why we don't say Psalms 27? When we talk about the book of Psalms, it's with an S. But when we go to a book, particular chapter, it is that one, Psalm. I'll give that to you for free. Psalm chapter 53, Psalm 53, beginning at verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I didn't say it. This is what the Lord says. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. People tell, oh, they are just so wonderful, so good. No, the Bible says there is not one who does good. God looked down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand. Any who seek God, everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on God. There were there they were overwhelmed with dread when there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. <laughs> you put them to shame for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Turn back to Isaiah briefly, quickly. Chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it even though pages are flipping because i got to keep moving and bring this to a conclusion soon. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will, he, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The seal of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I can imagine as the Bereans. Man, their minds are expanding. And they were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily. It's the word of God that can save. Isaiah, Isaiah, 
Many prophecies fulfilled in Isaiah. And, and, and when we look at God's word, God has a way of making sure that what he says comes to pass. Berea, the searching led to conviction. And the Bible says that many Jews were saved. Now I want you to understand quite briefly. When they were in Thessalonica, the Bible says that a few Jews were saved and many Greeks. In Berea, it switched. Many Jews believed, while a few, or not just not as many, prominent Greeks were saved. What a testimony to the Berean Jews and Greeks that when searching the proof, searching the proof of what was said they, that they discovered, it led them to make the right decision. Here's something that we need to remember. It is not only good enough to hear the word of God. You've got to do something about it. Most people, when they're witnessing to a person, they stop before the critical point. Once making their point, then the question next must be, what are you going to do about now what you've heard? What are you going to do with what's been presented? You see, we think that it's just about making a point. But they've got to make a decision. What are you going to do with truth? What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with the Lord? If it is only the word of God that can save and lead to a deeper relationship with God, then what are you doing that is so important that causes you to not study God's word? I can rightly say then that you are just too busy. You're just too busy. I can imagine some standing before the judgment of God. And God says, where were you? <laughs> Lord, you know my schedule. I had a bunch of stuff to do. Let me tell you. I meant to get there, but all of a sudden, man, this, 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 this movie that, come, that, that I've been wanting to see, it came on right at 7 o'clock. And, and, and right at that moment, I was walking out the door and thought, oh, my goodness. I don't know when this is coming in, but they always got Bibles. So I can get there one day. But that, that movie, mm -mm -mm, I had to get there. I, I'm driving around Marin City today. And I saw a person. I stopped my car. I ain't going to tell you all who it is. I don't think. <laughs> Roll my window down. And said, am I going to see you today? His comment to me was, oh, I don't know. I got a whole lot of stuff to do. While the music is blasting. And if I give this next clue, y'all know who it is, but I ain't going to give it to you. I'm leaving it right there. Point number three, and I'll soon be out. Where the word and work of God does not cease, the enemy does not rest. Let me say that again. Where the word and work of God does not cease, the enemy does not rest. Many people are wishing that the devil will leave them alone. Well, for many, he is not bothering them because they pose no threat to his kingdom. 
So your wish is true and has come true. I wish the devil just leave me alone. He is always on my case. Hmm. The point? Where the word and work of God does not cease, the enemy does not rest. There are some things that are being blamed on the devil that he has nothing to do with. Just the devil, the devil, the devil. I think Tanika made a, made a good point last, last, last time she preached. Oh, the devil just got in my way. I was trying to get to church. He just, oh, no, just left too late. You got up late, left too late, ran into traffic. Blame that on the devil. Now let me tell you when the devil will mess with you. You're trying to make it to Bible study or Sunday school. You set a time to sit down and spend in your word and in prayer. Watch out. You make plans to go share the gospel with a person that needs to be saved. When you are obedient to the word of God. Not when there is a little obedience. But when you are fully obedient to the word of God, the devil will mess with you. We are blaming the devil for a lot of stuff. But why does Satan need to bother anybody that he already has? We we are always saying the devil is doing this. He's messing with me. He messes with people that's in the will of God. He will mess with you royally if you set your heart to serve God without fail. You want to have the devil in your case? Begin to pray and serve God. Say, God, I'm not going to quit till I get the answer. Today, people begin to pray. A little problem comes. Stopping that. There can be sometimes some scary issues when we begin to pray. But remember this. Greater is he that's within you than the devil that's in the world. We sometimes, I don't, we give devil this, this status that, that, that is way above God. God has no equal. You don't have the devil and God. The devil was created by God. He does not compare or compare to God. God is not thinking, oh, what am I going to do? Satan has just did this. What's my next move? No chess game. God already has won the victory. He already knows. The Satan is already defeated. And he, and you don't quite get it yet. Satan is already defeated. His destiny has already been determined. And he's making a lot of noise. He's very powerful. And he has blinded a lot of people. And the thing that he has convinced people of is that you got plenty of time. Satan attacked when Paul and Silas are in Berea. After being on the run in Thessalonica and coming to Berea, man, they over in Berea, causing trouble. People are getting saved over there. People over there are searching the scripture. Tell you what, let's get some people here. 
and let's go ahead and walk this 50 miles to go mess with them. Now, you know that's something when the enemy is going to walk 50 miles to come after you. 50 miles? Because they've heard that those men are over in Berea? Get this. I heard this Jim Lyon on, on, said this at Diamond Arrow. I think it was a powerful statement. Whenever Jesus came on the scene, there was always something good that happened. Whenever truth is spoken, it is always good for that nation of that people. Always. Whenever Jesus comes on the scene, it is always good. It is Satan that brings chaos. And this party left Thessalonica and went to Berea because they heard that they were there. That's just what Satan would do. Paul and Silas are preaching and teaching. People are changing, and the Bereans are here, and they're studying. And Satan says, we've got to break this up. And gets a group and heads there. Now, in Berea, there were some people that, that listened to him. And when the brothers in Berea heard that Paul, when the brothers in Berea heard that those in Thessalonica were coming, they said, Paul, we've got to go. Now, I want you to understand this. The seaport to where they had to go was about 17 miles. Not only did those men, some of them accompanied them down to the, to the ship, they then traveled on the ship 200 miles to Athens with them that we'll pick up next week on. The men of Berea traveled with Paul. Silas and Timothy remained in Berea. You see, let me, let me say this. You see, Paul was the main spokesman. He was causing trouble to Satan. We've got to get Paul out of here. But Satan oftentimes miscalculates. While Silas and Timothy remained in Berea, Paul had to leave and went to another place. He underestimates how powerful the word of God is. He makes, oh, those men, it's only them. They're not that important. But God can take those people, those things, that people despise and don't look upon and bring about great change. Why? Because they're representing him and they're preaching the word of God. How do you know when somebody's telling you the truth? You should always have a source that backs up what you hear, and it must be the word of God. God is never on the short end of the stick. And until we come to realize that, Satan will always be elevated higher than he ought to be in our circumstances. Whenever we hear the Bereans, we always think of diligence as they searched the scriptures. Let me say this in conclusion, or ask this question. Are you a true studier of the word of God and being commended by God as a searcher from the things that you are being taught? Or are you living by a different protocol that has no support or backing from the Bible? Is God looking on you in favor? Are you living by the protocol of God's word? Or are you living by, I think, I believe? How do you know? Bow your heads. If we don't become like the Bereans in searching 
the scriptures from what we hear. We will be tossed by the winds, by every wind in doctrine. We will be accepting what sounds good, even though it has no foundation. We need to be like the Bereans that searched what was told them to make sure it was accurate. To get to God in this place, may we be like the Bereans. We never heard of an excuse that they made. But we hear that they were more noble than the Thessalonians because they accepted the word with eagerness and they searched the scriptures daily to make sure that what they heard was true. May we not play church. Lord, may we be the church. May we be a people that will honor and magnify you. Honor the word of God by digging into it and what we don't understand. Searching for the answers to what we don't even understand. May we stop making excuses for raggedy living and be commended as people that live for the holy and awesome God that you are. Pray today that you will press within our very spirit within our very being, a longing to please you, desire to honor you, pray that you will be lifted up, glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.